Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. At times, it's probably hard for you to believe that difficult times can be used by God for tremendous good in your life. This is often what people mean when they talk about the difference between religion and relationship with God. Many people will tell you that turning to religion in a time of crisis was useless for them. That's what happened to the king in Daniel chapter 5. However, instead of running to religion, the message from God is, come to me. Understanding this will help you and help you explain this to others. Here's Pastor Jim in part two of his message, When God Leaves a Note. And this is something I want to be so wrong about, but I think COVID really did prove that I wasn't wrong about it. That the handwriting is on the wall. If the church in America is unwilling to hear the warnings of God, it will become very weak. Very, very weak. And I think it's interesting that a lot of this stuff that we've been exporting outside of the country, a lot of the nations where the gospel is on fire is starting to kick our teaching out and sending missionaries here. I was talking to a fellow from Nigeria and he said, we are sending tons of missionaries to the United States of America because we know that that teaching, some of the teaching, prosperity, easy stuff, not mentioning of sin, it came to our country and it brought us nothing. And now we are focusing in on great theology and we want to bring it back to the United States of America. Let us welcome them with open arms because we need all the help we can get. So what does a Babylonian king do in such a situation? Verse 7 tells us, The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, that some versions say the mediums, the enchanters. So you remember we met them earlier, right? Harry Potter and his friends. They're called in. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. In other words, he'll have the third highest position in the kingdom. So remember, his Nebuchadnezzar's son, his father, is probably the real king. This, this joker that we're dealing with now, Belshazzar, is their co-regents, but he's number two in the kingdom. He's going to say, so I'm going to put you right underneath us. Verse 8. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing, and, or none of them could read the writing or make known the king's interpretation. They're like, if we can't understand what it says, what he wrote on the wall, how are we going to tell you what it says? Then, after he heard they couldn't read it and they couldn't interpret it, it says, King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. Another version says he became more terrified. His countenance was changed. And his lords were astonished, or they were bewildered. So this is all of a sudden, this, this party scene is going bad very, very quickly. The king doesn't understand the message, but he's pretty sure it's bad news. So he sends for the wise men. 
So he sends for the PhDs. He is so fearful of what is written on the wall, what he has seen written by this hand, that he's willing to make someone royalty if they can decipher it and interpret it. He said, only you and my father will be above you. What does he want to know? What's going to happen to me? That's what he wants to know. The wise men say they don't know. And in verse 9, he gets even worse than he was than when he had his accident. It could be that the power and judgment of God is pressing down on him. Now, some of you know what that's like. I know what that's like. I am terrified of that. It happened to me 30-something years ago, and I'm still shuddering. (laughs) I still shake when I think of it. It was hard, but it was necessary for me to change. Now, you could say that the king turned to religion. And many people do in a time of crisis. I'm going to bring in the religious leaders I have of my my kingdom. But God, and and you might want to hold on a little bit for this next statement that I'm about to make, uh, God will prove calling for the religious guys to be useless. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, whether you're here, watching in another room, watching online, first off, I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. I hope to get the chance to meet you. Come up and tell me after service you're not a follower of Jesus. You say nobody ever does that. It actually happens quite often. And some of those people are now sitting here and they are followers of Jesus. Not all are, but some are. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm sure that the comment I just made that God would make sure religion would preserve, uh, prove useless may have shocked you or may have surprised you. But that's because of the great demonstration of God's love. We often say that the difference between Christianity and religion is uh, religion is us trying to reach to God, trying to do enough things to make God happy with us. And, and Christianity is God reaching to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So what does Jesus come along and say? He, does, he doesn't, you know, this guy, he calls for the religious guys of his time. That's not what Jesus, Jesus calls to us and says, no, you come to me. You come to me. Don't come to religion. That's not going to do you any good at all. You come to me. It may not seem it at the time, but when the world is crashing, when your world is crashing, it is often the greatest opportunity in your life to get to know God. The question is, will you open your eyes to see it? Are you willing to think that maybe your world falling apart is actually God saying to you, come to me, come to me? So the stage is set, and in verse 10, a powerful woman in the kingdom shows up. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, now we don't know whose wife this is, saying, 
O king, live forever. Now, that's a traditional greeting. When you appear before the king, you were supposed to say that, okay? O king, live forever. Remember that. Bank that, okay? You'll have to say it to Barry after the service. No, don't say that, okay? <laughs> right? No, just rem- I want you to remember that because you're going to need that in a few minutes. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. Another version says, don't let your thoughts terrify you or your face be pale. Verse 11, there is a man in your kingdom in whom the spirit of the holy God, some versions say holy gods with a little g, and in the days of your father, light and understanding, the idea is insight, was in this man, and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch, we might say, because as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas, and difficult problems or mysteries, were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, similar name to the existing king, now let Daniel be called, and he will give or show you or tell you the interpretation. So in the midst of the melee, the queen mum shows up, and she gives much-needed counsel. What you need to do is you need to get Daniel here. You need to get that guy here. He's the man. He's the one who can figure all this out for you. Now, Daniel's probably in his 80s now, and we will see, just as we see in many of the people in this congregation in their 80s and some even in their 90s, the fire of God is still burning in this man's heart. Still burning. How many of you want to be that old, that young, and have the fire of God still burning in your heart like this guy? Oh, Lord, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. And he is going to lay it out to the king. There's going to be no gospel shaving here. No, I know when I hurt his feelings. None of that. He's going to tell the guy the truth. Not going to hold back. So Daniel, the man of the Holy Spirit, approaches the arrogant young king who he knows one wrong word can his head right off. Then Daniel was, verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, now, listen to the, to the way he speaks to them. He speaks to Daniel like a snarky loser. You're, you're, just this, you're just this loser, Daniel, and you're a POW, you're a Jew, you're nothing to me. Are you that, Daniel? It's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This whole time I think of Jesus being on trial, when he's standing before people, just looking at like this weak guy, And they cannot believe all the trouble that he has stirred up, neither the Jewish religious leaders or the Romans. They're like, you know, they're like, what are you you kidding me? Are you that Daniel who who is one of the captives from Judah? 
whom my father, the king, brought from Judah. And, and verse 14, he continues the sarcasm and he looks down on this Hebrew prisoner of war. I have heard of you that the spirit of God is in you or the spirit of God's. Notice the queen mom said the spirit of the holy God. He doesn't say that. He, does, he doesn't say that at all. He admits that word. And that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. In other words, they couldn't explain it to me. And I have heard of you, that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. I've heard you have the ability to solve problem. Now, if you can, the version says, if you're able, read the writing and make known to me its interpretation. You shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. <laughs> so he treats Daniel as a prisoner of war, not the wise prophet of God. So it appears the king has his doubts about Daniel. He keeps going, I've, I've heard of you. Or if you can, like, is this really all true? You, look at you. Kind of like Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Are, are you the king of the Jews? I'm like, are you kidding me? How sad it is. That by the grace of God, the king doesn't realize that Yahweh's man stands right in front of him. But God is that gracious that even after tremendous disrespect, he will send a voice. If you're a follower of Jesus, understand this. This is the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes you're the only person who can help someone, and yet they will still disrespect you. Don't be bitter. Be thankful that you got to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ and understand that you are in great company with the line of martyrs and saints and, and the greats of, of history, of apostles and even Jesus himself, who when he was the only one who could really help was what? Cast aside. Ugh, just another riffraff Jew from Nazareth. What a dump that place is. You know, that's where the uneducated people come from. Now, Daniel, as he, his response is he seems upset, but he's not disrespectful. He lays down the truth to the king in verse 17. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself. Now, this is the first thing that Daniel says to him. Notice what he didn't say. Long live the king. <laughs> He doesn't have any respect for this king, but he also knows that this king doesn't have long. <laughs> so that would be lying. Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known for him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty. He gave your father his greatness. Glory and honor. In other words, 
everything your father Nebuchadnezzar had came from God. Verse 19, and because of the majesty or the greatness or the high position that he, who's he, the most high God gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whomever he wished he executed, whomever he wished he kept alive. Now, it's not saying God was fine with everything he did, but he was doing king work. That's what, that's what kings did. Whomever he wished, he set up or he promoted, and whomever he wished, he put down, he humbled. That's what the king did. So Daniel says to him, keep your stuff. I don't want your stuff. I'm here to serve my God. He is my reward. Not some dumb, stupid position you're going to give me in your kingdom here in Babylon. Basically, what is this? Daniel can't be bought. Daniel can't be bought. His services are not for sale. And he will not shave the word of God. He will not shave the prophecy of God for this arrogant punk king. Daniel has the attitude. You want to take my head off? Fine. Fine. God will just keep sending people behind me. I'm confident of that. You see, the difference between Daniel and this king is easy to see. I will call them Mr. Self-Control and Mr. Out-of-Control. But let me ask you a question. Which one of these two would really impress you? I mean, most people are impressed by status and wealth. Not some old prophet who kind of walks in the door kind of slowly. You could just picture going, that's him. That's him. But remember, God looks upon the heart. Character. Who you are when no one is looking. Who you are when other people are looking on. Character is what impresses the Lord. You know, I wonder, if, I wonder if Martin Luther King's great words, if he wanted his children to be judged by their character, not by the color of their skin, came from a passage like this, where he's like, that's a guy of character. And that's what I want people to be judged on. And, and so here, I think for all of us, it's both an encouragement and a warning to be men and women of character. Daniel says at the end of verse 17, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Do you realize that's what Bible teaching is? You read it, and then you make the interpretation known. But it's not your interpretation. you got to work the text very hard and make sure you're doing your best to make sure it's God's interpretation. You know, people read a verse, and they go, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? Some of you know the story when the Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door. They read a verse. They said, this is the Bible. It's the word of God. Do you believe it's the word of God? I said, absolutely. Absolutely, I do. And they said, okay. So they read a verse to me out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And they said to me, what do you think it means? You know, they had the trainee in the front and the expert in the back. And I said, who cares? And they said, well, we thought you thought it was the word of God. And you said that it's really important. And we, it should, it's very, I said, I did. The guy says, do you mind if I 
try again. I said, go ahead, read the verse again. So he reads the verse to me and he goes to me, what do you think it means? And I said, who cares? So the guy says to me, sir, you said to me you thought this was the word of God. I read it to you and you tell me who cares what it means. I said, no, no, that's not how it went down. You asked me what I think it means. And I said, who cares what I think it means? It matters what God thinks it means. And the guy in the back goes, I'll talk to this one. <laughs> Does it matter what I think it means? It matters what God thinks it means. Daniel says to him, I knew King Nebuchadnezzar, either I knew your father, I knew your grandfather, and God showed him mercy. And at the end, he became a worshiper of God. But as we will see, this king's number is up and it is all over for him. And while the king wants to know what the writing on the wall means, first Daniel's gonna show him why God wrote it in the first place. Verse 20, he says, but when his, Nebuchadnezzar's heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed, some versions say brought down from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. God had seen enough. Verse 21, so he's telling, he's telling this young punk king a story that he knows. Then he was driven from the sons of men away or away from the people. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with the grass like oxen and his power was wet with the dew of heaven till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men. Another version says is sovereign over all the kingdom of earth. And remember, we learned this before, appoints over it whomever he chooses Verse 22. It's a hard verse for me. And you will, you will all understand in a minute why. Daniel turns to this hot shot and he says this to him. But you, now who's pointing the finger? But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart Although, and listen to these powerful words, you knew all this. You knew everything that happened in Nebuchadnezzar. You knew what God is capable of. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Was he saying, you are arrogant. And Daniel tells him how. First, they have brought the vessels out of his house before you. You had people bring the vessels from God's temple to you to party with. And you and your lords and your wives, your concubines have drunk wine from them. Number two, and you have praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, and iron, wood, and stone, which you do not see or hear and, or know. You raised God's vessels up to those false gods. And three, the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. You did not honor God. Now, Lord willing, next week we'll go to chapter six. 
If you ever wondered why the lions can't chew up Daniel in chapter 6, it's because he's too tough. Right? There's no meat on the bone. (laughs) This guy is too tough. He only fears God. He looks at a guy who could take his head off in a second, and he says, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the way it is. I love this guy. This is preaching. This is preaching. Things change over time, but this guy deserves this. He says, you know how the most high God humbled Nebuchadnezzar, and he doesn't say it, but he says it, and Nebuchadnezzar was a hundred thousand times the man you are. You're just this punk grandson just walking in his wealth, inherited a bunch of money, thinking something is special about you, and you haven't done a darn thing for this planet. You should have humbled yourself, he's saying to him, but instead you challenged the Most High God and you treated him with contempt. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.